Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our Q&A sessions, where David and Brent answer questions from the audience and also any questions from our social media followers. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello, how's everybody doing? Um, we, uh, so last minute change, we, you, some of you might have known um, for a while now that Sir Wade was going to be part of doing a conversation with today. Uh, last minute change of events or ch change of plans. Actually, he got surprised by his wife with a last minute getaway. They both got uh, their COVID vaccinations and to celebrate, they decided to go on a small trip. So uh, that's full disclosure. So I'm and I uh, I'm not going to tell you where he went, so you can't go uh, go find him. He's going to enjoy that uh, trip with his wife, obviously. So he um, um, he will be coming. Uh, we rescheduled it um, for um, um, I think it's sometime in July. So uh, stay tuned for that. And in, and in, so instead of just leaving the airwaves completely empty, David uh, Hubert and I decided we would uh, take a minute to uh, try to do a new type of format, a new type of content format that we've been talking about for a little while. We call it live Q&A. The idea behind this is that, um, you know, we do a lot of live streaming now, as you've probably noticed, and there's questions often at the end of those live streams. And there's always amazing questions that get left on the table that um, we always feel kind of bad that didn't get answered because they're all, they're, there's some great questions that people can learn a lot of great things from. So, um, and there's also just people out there that are part of the community that have questions. They are like, well, you know, you, you talked about this a long, long time ago, you know, when is it happening? Or uh, do, have you guys thought about doing something like, like that? Like we want this to kind of feel like a bit like a, a town hall. It will get specialized. I think it, like, as we, as we understand this format better and try it out, um, uh, in a couple different ways, I think we have plans for bringing in some specialists in different certain areas so that we can actually have a themed Q and a. So if you have like rigging questions, you can like hold on to them until we have like a rigging Q and a and you know like uh you know who, who knows what else we can uh, we can we can feature whoever on uh, a format like this and it's just a great way to just turn it into a complete um q a that's all it's all about just have you know sure there'll be some good conversation but it'll come from the questions as opposed to um you know it'll, it'll be all about chat really i guess is really what i'm saying the, the, these kinds of streams are all about directly interfacing with everyone in chat so there's some nice interactivity there so without further ado let me bring in mr hubert himself and uh we're going to start going through these uh these questions i think what we're going to do is start with a backlog of questions that have been gathered from past streams but at the end of the hour what we'll do is we'll open it up to the floor and people can ask whatever the heck they want assuming that david and i have answers no pressure david speaking of which hello david hey brent how, how are you <laughs> i'm good that, that's good uh pretty pretty excited that's something that we've been uh yes. talking about for a while and i think it was definitely inspired with seeing so many great questions or like ah we didn't have time to uh, to, yeah. to get to this one hopefully with another guest and you know they, they kind of pile up and they disappear they do uh, hopefully we keep them on a spreadsheet so we can bring them back and mm -hmm. on top of that it's all recorded so it'll be easy afterwards to kind of chop all right well this question yep. here's or five minute answer to, to yep. this because there's many yep. of those questions that are totally coming back often so hopefully with time with our search um, 
engine that's going to uh, evolve over time and agro community it'll be easy right. to oh what about demo reel boom six different questions exactly been, uh, answered by many different people exactly so yeah so uh, i we, we have a couple questions from uh, from past guests that we didn't have time to uh to 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 look at then um at the same time if there's if if chat has any question related to the topic that we'll be discussing or anything else you know just throw anything our way and we'll decide if we answer it or not exactly and i'll apologize in advance because i'm not going to keep muting myself because i'll forget to unmute myself um so i'll be doing a little bit of typing on my keyboard right here just because i'm going to be putting things up into the um into the caption window below just so everyone can stay stay tuned and keep track of of the actual questions being asked um another thing too to note is that um um, my, what was I? No, I remember what I was going to say. What, what is it's, it? It's, no, yeah, I, it's even got you. Suspense is the suspense is killing you. I, I was uh, just going to say one of the one of our first recognize the first times that we recognize this is a thing. Like, oh my god, there's all these great questions. Is because after um, after JD and when JD was on um, not so long ago. Um, he was very interested in the questions. As a matter of fact, he was like, can you give me the questions? Because he, he wanted to follow up with his community because he knew a lot of people from his community were actually watching. So this is also an, an answer to this as well. So it's to sort of try to, you know, try to kind of make sure that people have a chance to answer them. And so some, sometimes we'll even be able to forward some of these questions off to the, 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 per, the appropriate uh, person and see if we can get some sort of official response. So anyways, all that being said, um, I guess we can start. Um, I forgot to ask you before the stream that you there's there's this list here that uh, you'd already kind of created from from the backlog. There's two different colors. Is there a reason for the the colors, or should I do I should I not uh, care about that? Yes, the one in orange would be the one that let let's start with that list. Okay, perfect, perfect. All right, good. So first one up. Let's try this. Post captions here. All right, boom. Oh. No boom. Did it not happen? Oh, I see why. There we go. There. Boom for real this time. <laughs> so this question is, how can I get a job as an animator if I don't have good skills in acting and lip sync animation? Hmm. hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, there is many ways to tackle uh, this one. Um, I mean, for, for me, I never considered myself having good acting skills. Uh, I've developed the minimal amount of acting skills that I needed just to be able to film some reference uh, myself. Uh, but I've often relied on other better, uh, uh, other animators that were better actors uh, um, than me to shoot those refs. So having good acting skills is definitely a good bonus to have, but I would not see it as something that is essential uh to have a good mm -hmm. career as an animator the lip sync part for me this one is well just become good at it mm -hmm. that's the only thing it's uh, unless you you want to specialize into motion capture editing and you never want to tackle facial animation but if you want to have a broad range of opportunity and for me lip sync it's not like you have a natural <clears throat> skills or talent for lip sync no you just learn how to do it yeah. properly and just put the time in that's it yeah. yeah. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I think. I mean, so I, I I agree with what you're saying. I think that um, there's there's lots of jobs out there that you can get that don't focus on the because like 
when I think of lip sync, like really good lip sync uh, and very, very good acting skills, I'm thinking about usually like long format, like feature film stuff like Pixar, DreamWorks. These kind of films are going to just it's par for the course. You can't really escape it. You're going to need to spend the time. And while you're saying that you're, you, you wouldn't consider yourself a good actor, there's a difference between being a good actor and having acting skills and having good instincts on on a good performance, like what like the, the be able to sort of wear the skin of the character and understand them and get inside the head. And, and this is something that um, Ed Hooks talks a lot about, right? This is why he kind of became a specialist in speaking to animators about acting, but not in a formal way. Like what do, what do animators need to understand about acting? Um, and really it's just about, you know, it's, it's about observing human psychology and just observing human interactions and understanding it, breaking it down, taking the time to think about it. But um, but you could there's a lot of jobs out there that don't focus on these two things. And I think video game animation is a good example, although I would often say that um, you still need to be able to put a good performance in even in a um, even in game animations. Um, so you're not going to be completely off the hook for a decent a decent looking performance because we are entertainers at the end of the day. Right. We can't even just because we're moving characters around on the screen to serve some sort of the purposes of a of, of, of a player's desire to move a character doesn't mean that it shouldn't be awesome and shouldn't instill some sort of player fantasy. And part of that is the animation that we put on there. So yeah. and uh, I think there's also a certain limit of how good of an actor. Uh, obviously, if it's a talent, natural talent and even better for you, but. Yeah. Uh, in my experience, when I said I, I just developed the minimal minimum requirement as uh, acting skills, because let's say you shoot some reference for your uh, own shot in an animated feature. Well, you're probably alone with the camera or maybe with a you know cork or something like that. But you can literally like shoot ref forever, like 40 different versions un until you start to pick up something. And even when you pick up something it can be from multiple take oh i kind of like what i did in this take and it kind of fit with this part and so you kind of frankenstein a, a, mm. a little bit a performance and then you can try to remake yeah. the entire performance or just or just keep the the edit so it's you don't need to be on par with someone that would go you know do a play or something like that yeah uh, to have a very valuable mm. uh, um, a skill that you can use as an as an animator yeah and I'll, I'll say one last thing too, just on this topic, because I think it's a good one. Um, I, I, I would also come at this from a different angle. Rather than being worried about you don't have those skills, um, I think that I, I always tell animators that a good way to, to level up in a way that they may not immediately think about would be to take an acting class. Like, God forbid mm -hmm. you actually go and, and get in part. Like, if you, people who do improv, think about improv, because improv is a really good example of this, because improv teaches you to, like, it's all about flow. The, the flow of thought into not like put too many blockers. It's like you want to just take an idea and run with it. And that kind of inspiration and that kind of spontaneity is very, very helpful. Um, a very helpful muscle to flex because and, and to, to get very strong because it'll help you on the production floor when you're trying to come up with good, good ideas or good gags or just good, just good concepts altogether. And I think it, the other, in the, uh, the other be benefit will become that you'll, you'll, you won't be as, you know, you won't be as stiff and nervous in front of a camera because I know most animators are um, and you, you, your best reference is yourself. If you can shoot yourself with video, then you can build a really good reference for yourself, but you're, but the reference is only going to be as good as your performance in front of it. Right. So the better you get the, you know, and no one needs, no one ever needs to see those videos. It's all just for you. So you don't have to be scared or embarrassed. It's like 100% you trying to be a character and then, you know, be able to like learn from that because you're better at, you know, if you can channel that sort of real time performance, um, you might be able to capture something all that much more believable. So, 
Yeah. Don't be shy. Get out there. And even if you're shy, just do it. And just exactly. the fact of doing it, you, you'll exactly. get to, so You might never get to a point that you will deeply <clears> enjoy <throat> it, but you might at least get to a point that like, you know, it, it's part of the work and I, I don't mind doing it uh, yep. anymore. Yeah, I can I can tell you for some, as someone who has to put themselves in front of the camera every single day and put themselves out there, that was not easy at the beginning. Um, it's hard for everybody. Like I I'm comfortable with it now. I think probably mostly because I've taught online for so long, and that that was the the beginning of my learning curve. And David's done that as well. So, um, we have an unfair advantage because we've maybe got a bit of a, a head start on it. But 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 now here we are, and we're putting ourselves out there because we feel comfortable. And you need to be able to feel just as comfortable if you want to put yourself in front of a camera and capture your own reference. So I. As David said, just do it. Just get used to it and, and, and make it happen. Okay, next question. Um, Brent, if you don't mind, I, I'm uh, keeping a little oh, yeah? uh, okay, uh, sure. eye on, on the chat. So maybe once in a while, not all yeah, of them. Yeah. But so once. it doesn't get and buried. If there's, and yeah, if there's uh, that amount of text, we might have had time to read it no all. No problem. But, uh, there was a short one that was interesting here. What are some red flags from the employer that mm. the applicant should look out for during <laughs> the interview? This is an easy question. If their first name is Petar, that is for sure a big red flag for me. Very big, Petar. I'm watching you, buddy. Um, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So you're just thinking in general, what things could you, should, just just so everyone knows, I'm not just singling Petar. Pet, Petar is actually in my iAnimate class, this this term. So I'm just, you know, having a little bit of fun. So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. What do you think, David? Uh, I would say, well, for me, it kind of depends what your looking for uh which uh, uh mm. so i have a very easy example if you're looking like you know you're passionate about uh, animation you like it but you also have young kids a family you have other activities on the side and you're really looking for a steady 35 hours a uh, a week uh, a job that you're going to provide your best but you know that's what you can offer and in the interview they are bragging how people are working hard and they stay in the evening and the weekend and all that i would say this example might be easy but just know what you're looking for uh, uh as and if there's if you see that they are you know taking pride of something that doesn't fit mm. at all with what mm. you're looking for it might be a red flag that well it, it just might not be for for you. So I would say that's maybe one of the one thing. Know what you want uh, uh, when uh, when you're getting there. Know what you're ready to give. Know what you're might not be. Um, and if you see that there's a big emphasis on a part that you would not be ready to commit to, um, or and maybe specifically ask question about uh, about it, then that would be a red flag that maybe for you specifically. Um, so th that would be one one thing for me. Full, full disclosure, I read the question completely wrong, which explains my terrible joke earlier. Um, it's it's red flags that for the applicant. So if you're, if I got that from David's answer. So yeah, okay, that's a really good question because you know, we, we always have to remember that the interviews are supposed to be bi-directional. And that might not feel like that if it's your first job interview because you're really excited about your first job. And naturally, you're going to be willing to let th certain things slide that eventually you probably would never. But you still need to be careful because I think you could find yourself like David sort of described um, you might find yourself a, an environment where the culture may be a little bit toxic to who you are so if you are not a workaholic and you really love d d diving you know full 
full steam ahead into something, you might be a little weary about someone bragging about all the overtime that people are putting in all the time. Overtime is a really sensitive issue. And we covered this a couple of times on some of the streams that we've already had. And overtime, and I always boil overtime down into one simple way. If it's overtime that people are putting in because they, they, they feel they are driven to do it, they want to put the extra time in voluntarily because they want to do a better job and they're just, you know, just trying to finish that shot or they're just trying to finish something that they're really proud of. That's, that's the, that's the type of good overtime. Even that type of overtime cannot be super like sustained forever. And I think, you know, the management needs to be careful, keep a watchful eye on that. The bad type of overtime is the one that you're just, it's just because it's bad planning all the time and it always falls to the employees and it's forced upon everybody mandatory overtime. This is some, some teams, which will remain nameless. Some companies have made a bit of a reputation for that. So it's not just things that you're looking at for an interview, looking out for in an interview, but you might want to do a little bit of research, you know, check some of the forums, you know, check Reddit, check, just go out there and ask in generally on the internet, what it's like to work for a certain company, because maybe there's even a bunch of questions you might be able to ask during the, during the interview that might kind of get to the bottom of, you know, maybe some of your, your, uh, your concerns. I, I would say maybe it, for my next idea, maybe it, it kind of depends on who is interviewing you. There's a big yeah. difference if it's the HR department than if yeah. it's actually the supervisor that you'll be working with. Uh, but if it, you have the chance to be having an interview with your you know, immediate uh, super, uh, supervisor, um, I would say being very sensible to any uh, neg negative behavior like cynicism, complaining about you know someone uh, uh, else's uh, work being super critical about the team of your uh, uh, the, about the, the work or that some of the team uh, uh, has done and I would say that with a few of those maybe you'll have your kind of spidey sense that said ooh that that doesn't I don't know what it is exactly, but I don't feel that that's going to be a fun environment to, to work in. Usually those, it doesn't mean that it'll be the case, but usually those early signs might be a, a sign of uh, things to, to come. So maybe be wary about some of those negative comments or, or, or behavior that would be uh, showcased during that interview. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of another one. I had an idea in my head as to, to another another good possible red flag that um, that could ha that could happen. I think that um, for me, I, I when I'm looking for a job, I want to make sure I'm putting myself in a position where I'm actually going to grow. Um, so you don't. I would I'd be very wary as someone who's a bit more junior who would be taking a job um, in a where they wouldn't have the support of someone who they see as someone they're going to learn a lot from. This is a really big part of the early part of your career is you don't want to find yourself, for instance, in a small team where you're the only animator. I mean, if that if that's something that you're excited by, then by all means do it. But just know going in that you might not really get, you know, much you're going to be learning on your own. You'll be like, try, you know, learning by trial and error as opposed to, you know, being supported by someone who's going to take you under their wing. I mean, I mean. You know, this came up in the Ted T uh, discussion where back in the good old days when we were doing it all by hand, the 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 assistants, these the junior animators were always under the tutelage of an animator as someone more senior than them. And we were actually working with that person's drawings. We were doing in-betweens. We were doing breakdowns. We were doing like we were literally absorbing 
all the work that this, all the decisions were being made. So we could sort of reverse engineer and understand and learn vicariously through that experience. It was part of the job. Like we, there's no escaping the fact you were going to learn. And um, it's different now in 3D because there's not that there. So instead, what it ends up being is having at least someone to ask questions, someone who can look at your work and give you feedback. These are very important. So if it feels like that's something you really want, try to make sure that you're going to get that. And that should come, that should come up in the interview. Ask who the supervisor might be if they're not actually the one meeting with you. And then maybe you can do a little bit of homework before you do, you know, decide on that job. Mm -hmm. yep. I agree. Okay, so what should we do? I, I guess we'll we'll just ping pong back and forth. We 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 got. Uh, yeah, let, let's that, go with the backlog one. And I like it. We had in the backlog. Okay, one second. Just have to paste it here. Here it comes. So, how long in hours does it take to learn animation? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, actually, I'm glad you asked. Do, the answer do, do is 7,212. Yeah, it's, it's a very specific question. It seems like it's it's asking for a very specific answer. Uh, um, that, that's a tough one to, to answer. Yeah. I would say if I'm trying to reflect on my... <laughs> But the problem uh, is everyone's own, different, right? Sure. Yeah. That, well, I've that, seen that's some people thing. like tear through it. Like the, there are some people that like, and I, uh, people have heard this before, but I often refer to them as jerks. People who are just pick it up way too easily and they just make us all mad. There are yeah. people like that and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, and but, the most of us are a bit more average and, you know. They, exactly. I mean, how good are your computer skills? How yeah. fast are you to learn a new software? Do exactly. you have drawing skills? Do you have any other skills that would kind of. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I did uh, a one-year uh, uh, private school, mm -hmm. uh, which at which point when I graduated, I knew the software. Mm -hmm. I knew how to, it was soft image in the day, but it could be Maya. So I felt that like one one year of education to be really comfortable with the software and be kind of a generalist with no experience, mean that you can do anything with a, a professional 3D software. For me, it was one year. Uh, uh, right there. Um, I would say probably took me another three years to consider myself a decent animator that could maybe have shortened in a year if I was just focusing uh, on that. And maybe after that, another five years before I considered myself being a good animator, which again, maybe could be condensed in one year. So my first idea would be, I don't know, maybe three years. If you dedicate, uh, mm -hmm. you start, you don't know anything about 3D, you don't know any CG software, and after three year, you are you could be tagged as a good animator. Mm. Uh, there is obviously you know a, a rule that said ten thousand uh, hours, which is roughly five years. Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe to become you know a really really good uh, animator again, if you dedicate full time to to it. But you know uh, who's your instructor? Uh, who who is going to provide you reviews? Who's going to provide you guidance? How fast are you able to uh, to learn? What do you already know? Are you a musician that has rhythm naturally? Are you a good someone that's good with drawing? So it means that posing for you will be easier. Do you have a good uh, sense of 3D perspective, so you kind of understand 3D uh, really well. Are you technical, meaning that you you will learn the software quickly, but you can even script yourself some tools to make animation even uh, faster. There's so many variables, but exactly, yeah, I would say for me, th three years w would be my guess if I had to commit to something three years full time. My my answer would be um, forever. 
because I mean, t- truthfully, we're always learning how to animate. Now I'm learning, David's learning. Our, what we're focusing on is different. Like I, fo- I feel like my learning is more about how to how to properly support animators because I do a lot more directing these days than I do actual animating. But that's still learning, right? So you have to learn a lot about animation so that you can actually help articulate your thoughts and the feedback so that your animators under under uh, your um, your uh, guidance have what they need to be better. Um, so it's just it's it's just a learning process all the time. I think the, the question is, how long does it take to become a viable, like marketable animator? Then yeah, I, I think what David said is right. I think the average is somewhere between probably two and three years. I've seen it happen faster, but I've also seen it take longer. So what you need to do is, I would not set a goal in time for yourself. I think that, that is a recipe for, for, um, um, for, uh, for possible, um, reason to be uh, sort of disappointed and i don't and i don't think you want to do that to yourself i think you need to like like david said everyone's got different backgrounds some people have a head start in some areas so you know at the at the end of the day i've watched animators having worked at schools before like brick and mortar schools like dawson college here in montreal um it's a three-year program and i know that by three years the people that are that are dedicating a lot of time and effort during those three years these people get jobs I think I think the three year so that three year mark seems to be a pretty good recipe. It's a, there's a reason why college courses have been three years traditionally, and it's because that's how long experts in education have decided would be an average time that people would need in order to be marketable by the time of that that, that three years is up. So I don't think it's a and and, and it's interesting that David brought up the ten thousand because that sounds a bit more like what you would get if you were to go to university and maybe take you know a three year bachelor and maybe another couple years get get a master's. Well. Well, that sounds about right. It sort of hits the nail around on the head, the sweet spot. And then if you want to go beyond that, then of course you'd be doing a PhD, which is a, a several more years after that. And at that point, you are then quite literally not just a master, but like a pro. You are at the point where you are now in a position to tell everybody else what's right and what's wrong because you've done that much dedication in that subject. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's different for everybody and it depends on how you attack that problem. 100%. Yep. But don't don't uh, set such a don't set don't set rigid limits for yourself because you're gonna it's not fair it's not fair to yourself. And obviously, we are framing this question by a sense of becoming a good professional animator because yeah. how long does it take to learn animation if you're just following a tutorial that's going to yeah. show you exactly where to click yeah. in Maya to have a yeah uh, a, you know a bouncing ball I don't know six hours maybe but you know yeah technically you animated but it takes much more than that to to become yeah. a professional animator that's for sure i'm scanning the um the questions here in chat uh... <laughs> here's is this this is a good one this is like a, a question in real time i like this we're like a lifeline that you're reaching out to right now <laughs> hey i'm actually in the middle of an fps animation right now when the character runs how convenient <laughs> If only I, you had a couple of people that have been animating for years at your disposal, you could ask this question. That'd be amazing. Wait a minute. Um, right now, when the character runs on a um, on a on top of a big man, I, I don't know if that might have been a typo in in front of him and do some fight combo. I have to say that I have some tr- struggle to start it. I don't really know on what I should focus on first. So let me let me paraphrase this. If you're still in chat, then let me know if I've got this right. But I guess what you're essentially talking about is there are two two characters that need to interact and they're going to be like touching, like they're going to be contacting one another and there's going to be some sort of struggle. That's what it sounds like. If you're here, let me know. I'm, we're going to, we're going to proceed with that assumption and then let us, let me know if I've made a terrible mistake in chat. So 
yeah do you want me to do you want me to take a first stab at this david and then you oh yeah it's in definitely in your role in, okay well in your we'll realm of expertise okay we'll see so um so fps animation so is it i guess it's for a game i assume um that's not that's a terrible assumption because there's there's been movies that have had fps like moments but i'm going to assume also for the sake of this answer that it is the the thing about paired animations in in games in general is that well let's break it down it as far as as far as the animation craft itself what i what you need to do in my opinion is you need to understand the mechanics and the cause and effect relationship between the two what i usually do is i'm i, I allow myself to set key poses on whatever frame i need per character until they actually make contact with one another at which point you're kind of forced to whenever a character needs a key pose to express an important moment of the action you have to key them both because obviously if you didn't they would be slipping all over the place so what i tend to do is spend a lot of time figuring out the choreography and the staging of it all and then i just spend the time making sure that i pose it and what i actually do is i don't trouble myself and this is a very personal choice i don't trouble myself so much with constraints early on i first want to make sure that i can just do some sort of block pass of staging and not worry so much that there there's not going to be any slipping during the interpolation between those poses because what I want to make sure first, and this is where a lot of people unfortunately go wrong, is because they get too technical too early and they kind of paint themselves or they animate themselves into a corner and they realize in the end, after they get everything technically working, that they're not really happy with the animation at all. So I would rather put something blocked in where the two of them are, are, are playing this animation and that, that would synchronize them, get that in the engine really early and then check it. Make sure that the, the, the cadence of, of th that animation is good and make sure that it, it works like it's readable uh, from from the camera that it would be typically seen from, you know, make sure that you've got, you've checked all your, you know, all your main staging things first. The other technical side of this question is you're going to need to make sure that the project you're working on has technology that supports the fact that these, what we often call paired, paired animation in games are, are, are historically difficult to get right. Um, because of just because of, you know, because of science, I guess it's because the engine often needs to be told, um, how to do that. How do you get those two characters to align in space and time in order for those two? And because they're, they're at the end of the day, they will typically be two separate animations. Now this can be handled with something like the sequencer in unreal, where it's like, a you could just, you feed it a bunch of different characters and a bunch of different animation tracks. And the sequencer is what, what syncs them. Cause it's, it's a way of synchronizing a whole pile of things that you want in a scene to one common timeline. So that, that will give you what you're looking for. But if you're looking for something a bit more like, um, you know, in, in real, like a real time game, a real time moment in a game, it would be, uh, it's a little bit more technical. So you're going to have to follow up with whoever the technical animator is to find out how, how to approach that problem. So I know it's a long answer, but I didn't want to just sort of gloss over it. It's uh, I would first worry about the staging, I guess is, is my thing, but also think about the, uh, the technical aspects to make sure you have a plan to get it to play properly. Cool. I saw another question from uh, uh, Pedar that, that is actually linked to the question before that could be quite, okay. uh, um, uh, fast to answer. Do employers ever has trick questions? Can you bring uh, this um, one? Yeah, I'm looking Brent? for it. It's the third one from the uh, the top. So the question is: Do employers ever ask mm. trick questions? Question with double meaning during an interview, and if so, what are they and how to handle them? Uh, maybe, but honestly, don't ask yourself that question uh, during the interview because you will in real time trying to mm. process and overanalyze those questions mm -hmm. and it will show 
and you will look very uh, this uh, genuine in your answer just by the time that you'll try to figure out so for instance you know um there was a, uh, what are your long time goals right is that a trick question because maybe they mm -hmm. for whatever don't even bother just be genuine be truthful yeah. What, what is your long-time goal? Well, I'd like to have a little bit of experience here because my long-term goal is to become a Disney animator. That's the truth. That's your answer. Don't don't double, you know, um, don't double think it. Don't uh, try to answer something that you think that they will they want to hear. Most of the time, you might be wrong, and but all of the time, it will look like you're trying to figure out a, an answer instead of just answering what naturally comes so uh so to answer the question yes maybe but who cares don't pay attention to it and just answer whatever is a real answer to the question yeah and I think... it and i would just say that if it means that you are not a good fit for that studio or the studio is not a good fit for you well great be, this yeah. will have been figured out more rapidly than after one year at the studio yeah. of not being happy there trust me uh you would rather dodge that bullet early than have to live through uh, an unpleasant experience where you you could have known right away by just seeing seeing the writing on the walls during the interview and like listen to yourself when there was a red flag that went up because uh you know it's just not worth it you, you would have been way much more worth better worth your time to go to a company that you you were a better fit with i i agree with david i, th I think genuine being genuine and coming off as genuine is much more valuable than worrying about because i mean here here's the here's the the thing like if it's a trick question and you're answering it honestly well then like okay like i mean they're obviously like if as long as you answer it honestly then who cares if they're like oh well that's the answer we were looking for well like that okay great so that i guess obviously i'm not a very good fit for the job then because i answered that question very honestly i don't think you want to be putting yourself in the situation where you need to sort of double guess yourself all the time. That would suck. Yep. Uh, let's go back into the backlog. Yeah. I got one right here. This is another, another doozy. <laughs> wow. If only I knew, if only I knew the answer to that question, it'd be so much easier. We're still looking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know if it's possible to answer this question because like you, you would have to dig into the, to the, what is an animator? Like there's so many different types of well, animator. The, the first thing I would say is, you know, what makes a good animator? What makes a good human being? Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, let, let's put ourselves in a workplace uh, even more important that, than your artistic and technical yeah. skills. Are you someone that people want to hang out with? Are yeah. you agreeable with the people around you? All, yeah. Or all you you know, uh, a, a, a cynic or do you always complain or is there always a reason why everything is going wrong and do you always criticize the work of others? So what is a good animator? J just be a good person. Just be kind. Just be, you know, genuine, truthful. Uh, all, all the behavior that you would be expecting from the people around you. I would say that that would be a very good good start. Um, that, that's for sure. I think the only thing that I would say is one quality that I think every animator needs is, uh, and this is something you can train yourself to be better at, is just being um, a naturally curious person who is, you know, that who is very observant. Because at the end of the day, that's what animators are doing, right? They're, they need to be able to break things down that move, understand why they move the way that they do so that they can then recreate that movement um, um, on an otherwise inanimate object. I think that it is an, an inanimate 
digital object if you're in your 3D or like a clay figure if you're using uh, claymation or something like that. But the idea is that skill is something that needs to be train because i see a lot of new people that are trying to animate that's the thing that holds them back the most is that they I, i'll i'll get to i'll tell them look here are your po here's we're all gonna use the same reference here are the poses we should be using i want everyone to be able to recreate those poses and it never ceases to amaze me how off they are often and i'm just like like i've been doing it for a while so it's hard for me to connect with it but sometimes they're really off almost to the point where i'm like did you even did you even look at the the, the frame like the image because because i don't know if you are and obviously you know, it, it comes down to just being carefully observant. It's not just enough that you glance at it. It's that you're really trying to break it down. Have you ever seen Leonardo da Vinci's sketches in his sketchbook? This is the thing that always fascinated about Leonardo da Vinci. He was not just an artist. This guy was like an engineer because he was breaking things down. Life, everything around him interested him so much that he was like calculating and he was measuring and he was like, you know, like it, this is, I don't, I'm not saying you have to sneak into like, uh, you know, a medical student's lab and like draw cadavers like he was doing. But like, I, you'll need to be operating on that same level of curiosity to get really good, really fast, I think. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and also be uh, being reliable is definitely something that uh, is going to be uh, expected on the uh, on the yeah. workplace. But what makes a good animator? I mean, there are so many different mm. two two good animator could have a complete different set of skills. One could be a awesome and very fast uh, motion capture editor, and the other one never touched mocap mo of his entire life and is just a pure stylized performance kind of uh, 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 animator that will perform well there. So it, it's so, there are so many different aspects of uh, being an animator that that that, ver that, that varies. Um, yeah, I would say those are the first few things I would, I would have in mind. Brent, you're muted. I told, I said I wasn't gonna do it and I did it anyways. <laughs> Um, so, uh, this is, this is actually a question from, it didn't come up. Oh yeah, it's too hard. There it is. So to go off of Petter's question is the question, what are your long-term goals? A trick question. Is this a way for a player to test and see if you'll stay with their company in the long run? Yeah, <laughs> it's. It's hard to know, right? It depends on the on the person asking that question. Some people might be just genuinely asking. I mean, it, it, you have to always ask yourself, always put yourself in the shoes of the, of the would-be employer, right? What are their needs? Are they looking for someone to help out short term? Are they looking for someone who's going to be able to commit to a th three year long project? This is a, a big deal because especially if you're a bit newer, there's going to be an expectation of a, a bit of training probably. And therefore, they don't want to go and hire someone who's going to just stick around for like six months and then be gone. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes that happens and the, the employer is looking to try to protect their interests by just weeding out people that are that don't have the intentions of, of really sticking it out for the three month, you know, contract or whatever it might be, you know, and some, mm -hmm. some game companies are still hiring on a full-time basis and no, no company is going to hire you full-time if they knew that you're only going to be there for three months. Now, obviously if it's not a good fit, then, you know, what, what happens happens. But, but I think the assumption is that everyone's hoping going into this transaction that, that both parties are going to be satisfied and that uh, they can invest in you and you can invest in them. So, I mean, you can call it a trick tr question if you want, but I mean, at the end of the day, they need answers to questions because they're going to, they need to hire someone who's going to fill a production need and you. Oh, you muted yourself. Bump, again. bump the space bar like I always do. Um, 
you know, just, you know, I don't know if you should see it as a trick question. I think you should just see it as an honest, a, a legitimate question that you need to answer. Um, yeah. And you don't, you don't need to, you don't need to. I mean, in my experience, or maybe it's just a question of perception, but every interview that I went into, I felt that whoever was intervie interviewing me was, you know, cheering for me and hoping that it would go well because it means that they could hire me and they, they have, they won't have to continue endlessly this interview process with. Uh, so th there might be a way of perception. Maybe some people are a little bit more uh, anxious and they kind of feel that most of the situation people are there to to assess them and there's other personality that are, they're just you know uh you know they don't even think about it and they just go uh, in it so it, it might be be part of it but i would say even if there are some interview uh interviewers that have trick question in my experience it's a minority to a point that it would not even be worth having your radar at on when you go in uh, uh, to those interviews and prepare for maybe have, having to deal with a trick question. You're still muted, Brent. You need to put some tape on your space bar. So annoying. One second, I'm just trying to reply to girly bits. Actually, girly bits, rather than me actually replying to you, can you just, the answer is yes. If you could separate your questions, because she, she, I'm, I'm making an assumption because it's girly bits, that it's a she, but the, um, the, you, you let, you, you had one, one post that had many questions. It'd be easier if you break them up into separate ones. I'll, I'll check them down at the bottom. I have another question I'm going to pop up that was good. Um, this is a really good one. I like this one a lot. Um, how to not get discouraged when getting feedback that makes you feel incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It is a good one because it happens to all of us. Let me tell you, like, never, it, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Go ahead, Dave. You, you, yeah. you tackle this one first. Uh, well, first of all, you are not your work. Uh, when anyone, your teacher, supervisor appears, whoever is, you know, criticizing, uh, taking time, to uh, and assuming it's constructive criticism that they know that what they're talking about and they're not just you know criticizing your work because they want to hurt you right let's let's say that it's a, a normal uh, review uh, what they are reviewing is not you is the work and it's not even your work in the large sense of thing it's that specific piece uh, uh, of work and you know as an animator you have good days you have less good days and it, it doesn't mean that you've created a not so good little piece of animation that all the rest of your career, everything that you've done before is out of the window. So I would say separate yourself. So they, they are not judging you. They are judging the thing that you've put on the table and you ask others to uh, give feedback. So I would say th this is probably a good way to avoid being discouraged uh, if that's something that you would uh, often feel when you're getting um uh, feedback. Uh, again, to not have the feeling that you're incompetent, detach yourself from the the uh, uh, the work, mm -hmm. and add and and the other side, the flip side is it that, that might sound completely per uh, per uh, is detach yourself just enough to not be emotionally hurt by it, but also take it. And if you feel that, oh, I feel incompetent, well, you're not completely incompetent. But yeah, if you want to say that you're not competent enough to have done an amazing job with this shot, okay, well, just accept it. And, you know, that's your little chip on the shoulder to give the extra work to make sure that whatever uh, um, iteration you're going to do to the shot or whatever other shots you're going to, to do, you're going to work extra hard uh, to make sure that you progress. So 
don't take it personally, <laughs> but at the same time, take it seriously and, you know, just use it as fuel to, to progress. Yeah. I think that, um, so the, the trick here is, and this is easier said than done. So I do appreciate that. And it's something that we always have to work on. I mean, um, I, I tend to be an overly sensitive person, so I struggle with this more than, than some people do. Um, what I, what I eventually train my brain to do, which is, I think can be done by anybody is because this is the truth. This is not like, this is not mental gymnastics is, is to see, it's like what David said It's it's like, like he, he, he phrases it by saying, try to somewhat detach your emotions from the actual, the situation. And I would phrase, I would frame it. It's, it's essentially doing probably the same thing, just probably worded a little bit differently. It's about understanding that the, what the, what the, what the react, that feeling you're feeling, you're labeling it as incompetence, but what it, what that feeling actually is, is, is potential for growth. It is, you are, you are going to, at some point in your career, believe it or not, especially the best, the best animators I know, they will begin to crave that feeling. I know that seems weird now because it might feel like kryptonite to you now, but you're going to get to the point where right now, maybe you're in a phase in your, in your career. And I'm making assumptions here where you might be a bit new to animating. And so everything feels difficult and you know, you're trying and then it just, it's hard when you think you did a good job and someone's like, Oh my God, no, it's like, look at this, 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 and this. And you're like, how did I not see these things? Well, you didn't see them because you're new at it. And now you do. Now you're one step closer to seeing that for the next time. And that that feeling is eventually going to become less and less often because you're going to start getting better and you're going to start catching these problems. So when you get a good healthy dose of some feedback that just makes you re-see your shot for the first time, that's going to be an epiphany that you will learn to to appreciate and, and like just ho like hold on to like a brick of gold because it will become more and more like a unicorn trying to find that level of feedback. So I say to develop an appetite see what's really happening. This is a gift, to be honest with you, that someone's able to take the time to tell you what's working and what's not working. The question that I find difficult, and we can actually segue to that maybe, is something that I don't um, hear getting asked all the time, but I, this is some, something that really I struggle with. What happens when you're working on a show or, or, or a project or a game and your supervisor gives you advice that you really don't agree with? As a matter of fact, you are absolutely convinced it's bad advice because you also heard the director not the because often you'll have a supervisor, but then you're going to have a director who's above them, who's the, your supervisor's boss. You heard it come out of their mouth. This the, they said A, and your supervisor saying B, and now what do you do? That, my friends, that's a pickle, and that is the kind of thing that you only learn through experience, and you will experience this. Some of you in chat have already experienced this. It does happen because art is subjective, and there's lots of room for interpretation, and people are not perfect, and they're not carbon copies of one another. So there's a bit of um, what do you what do you say to that question, David? What would you do in a scenario like that? Uh, yeah, I've seen this played uh, a, f <laughs> a few times. It it's, happens, again, there, there, if there was an easy answer, uh, yeah. we wouldn't get into all those situations yeah. with people have 10, 15, 20, 25 years of experience and they yeah. still go uh, in there. Yeah. Um, I would say you need you need to maintain your a good relationship with your lead. Absolutely. Uh, more than the director. So I would yeah. say even if you're don't use this opportunity to make your lead look bad. No. Uh, don't do that. just, you know, have a frank exchange with him. Uh, I have to say that I disagree with this direction. <laughs> I think that the director said 
X two weeks ago. I feel that I'm going there, but I will respect that. You know, it's your role to make sure that yeah. I'm uh, providing what is needed for this production. Uh, I will do it. Uh, but at the same time, if I show this in, in the review and the director says that, no, clearly I needed to go in the other direction. Are you going to have my back or yeah. you're just going to roll me under the bus and, there and you pretend go. that it's not coming from, there you, go. There from you? So you have this frank exchange mm -hmm. of I'm going to maintain my good relationship with you because I value the fact that you're more my immediate supervisor. Uh, but let's say I'm right and we'll know pretty soon because tomorrow is dailies and the director will, will be there. Are you going to stand up for, for me or, uh, yeah. or not? So yeah. that's, that, that's how I would handle it. That's good advice right there because it's true. Cause I mean, this is, this is where, you know, conversations like this enter the realm of like, it's beyond the craft and it ends up being more about the politics of the job. And the, the, these things new, the, you can learn this the hard way and the hard way would be for sure becoming enemies with your supervisor because that doesn't end well. I can tell you that right now. You mm -hmm. might, you make war with your supervisor. It's going to become very uncomfortable with you at work. So you better be willing to leave that yeah. job if that happens. So you don't, need don't. to. Don't Go think ahead. that the director will recognize that you were no. right, your lead no. was wrong, that no. your lead is going to feel bad, he's no. going to apologize, and that's going <laughs> yes, to... Yes, that's it. Yeah. You're not going <laughs> to be protected from some beam of light from the sky that is like, oh, the director notices that you're a genius and that your supervisor doesn't know what they're doing. That's just not the reality. You, you need to find a way. To no. Happen. And worst case scenario, the director <laughs> will actually be pissed that you made the lead that he chose to be the lead yeah. in front of everyone Yeah, else. exactly, because so, it's bad for everybody that way. It breaks the chain a command and it's all these other bad things so yeah david's advice is very good because what it what it says is look have a human conversation with your lead i'm not saying that's always going to be possible because sometimes people are, are unfortunately blessed with people that are not necessarily great leads and for that i do apologize in advance on all the behalf of all leads because that just happens sometimes <laughs> and and i don't know how to answer that question because if you but the key is the key is don't take it personally talk to them, level with them. And like what David said is if you can maintain your composure and just lay it all out, being like, look, I'm not trying to be difficult. I literally, it's because I literally heard the director say this. Maybe I misunderstood, maybe whatever, but I'm, that's what I'm worried about. I don't, I'm worried about going to dailies with this, with something that like they, the director told me to my face. So you're telling me to do something different. It puts me in a weird position. Work it out with your, with your lead. Find a way of strategizing that because it's your only real way forward. Otherwise, you know, the other paths lead to certain, certain death or, you know, <laughs> certain, you know, certain difficulties down the road for sure. Okay, let's bring another one up from the backlog. I hijacked. I actually I asked my own question. Thank you, David. <laughs> Asking my my answering my question. Okay, here we go. Caption. Here it is. Up right. No. Another overtime question. Surprise, surprise. Mm. Is overtime worth it? Well, I think that you cover well that, you know, ideally overtime is to provide more quality uh, and be. not just re redo things over and over. Yeah. I'd like to take a step back from, from that question because we, we are under the assumption that, uh, and rightfully so, that overtime means anything more than 40 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. But what, where is this 40 hours a week? coming from who decided that a normal work week would be for yeah. what if for you it's 25 hours is enough and others are like well 50 it feels like i'm barely working we're all some have family mm. some don't some are yeah. in a relationship some don't some are super healthy other are dealing with you know uh, uh, you know physical um uh, issues there so 
I would say first, even about thinking is overtime worth it or a good <clears> thing or however we want to phrase it. How many hours do you want to work in general? Like yeah. if you say, well, you know what? I'm 50 hours. I'm, I'm comfortable. I don't have kids yet. I'm passionate about animation and all that. When right there, it tells that, well, 40 hours plus 10 hours of overtime, assuming it's paid, you're fine <clears> with it. it. It's it's OK. It's within the number of hours that you're comfortable uh with so i would say that's that, that's the first thing that would make it very different yeah. from like know uh, your own limits <clears throat> yeah because yeah. yeah i agree because that because the the whole worth it is a measurement of it's like a comparative sort yeah, of it's statement, my right? time in return of fulfillment yeah. or What's salary time or whatever or exactly. you know social yep. uh, uh, currency with the rest yep. of my peers yeah so it, it should be a uh, what i'm what I really not like in, in the workspace is when you start to have culture that glorify uh, yeah. uh, overtime. And sometimes it's not like five hours of overtime. It's weekends and evening yeah. and all that. And you're not a trooper if you're not part of those yep. that stay until yep. 2, 2 a.m. Uh, overtime should be a, a, a personal choice. And hopefully... You're not in a place. You're in a place that you would respectfully ask. Okay, who here is uh, available and would like to do uh, overtime? And hopefully, the studio will be in a position that, well, if you need more resources to complete the movie, you can outsource a little bit. You can freelance a little bit. You can maybe hire one or two employees. But they are not going to impose more hours on employees that have no desire to trade more of their time with, which is a very finite resource in exchange. <laughs> more uh, more money so is it worth it it depends how many hours are you fine to 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 work um and you know in, in what context uh, is it um, which is coming back to the point that you know is it to provide better quality or is it because there was a big you know either creative direction or management issue in the first place that's never been and that's another problem sometimes production they have a budget uh buffet a contingency but budget of like let's say 15 percent of the entire animation budget but they don't have plan to hire more people they it, it's a direct 15 percent of uh overtime and if half of the team is not ready to do overtime it means that while well, 30 percent of the time will, will, of the team will need to do overtime at some point so when it's not clearly communicated communicated that People will be asked to do overtime, but there's already a budget for overtime uh, at mm -hmm. the end. This is you can get to a point and that and if you say, I'm sorry, I cannot do it. And they make you feel, you know, ashamed or not part mm -hmm. of the team. Uh, maybe it, it might be time to update your resume at the end of that. Yeah. project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it, you have to remember that there. I mean, and one thing I'll say, like, like the 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 blue sky version of of overtime is, like I said, it's it's if you if you're artistically, um, you know, putting in extra hours and you feel like the project's really doing well and you're like you're putting your extra time in because you just want to make it even that much better and you'll find that other people are gonna be doing the same thing. You'll look from desk to desk. You could see it on people's faces. There's a difference between overtime that people are like excitedly pushing on something to bring it to the next level versus people are just exhausted and doing the overtime because they have no other choice and because they're told they had to. Um, I think it's it really comes down to like you know, what type it's going to be. And, and I, I would be lying if I said that even great studios, 
that um you know th- that overtime is the, is more often hopefully the 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 better kind you're going to be in situations from time to time on a milestone where there's going to be like probably a week here or there where or maybe even two weeks where there's going to be these these crunch periods where you might need to put in maybe an additional 10 or maybe even sometimes an additional 20 hours for that week that's normal that's just production and it, because there's no I, as far as i'm concerned i've never worked at a job where that doesn't happen ever so i think that the idea of if that idea is is not interesting to you, that you're going to have to for sure at some point probably put in a bit of overtime regardless of the motivation, then you might have a hard time in a production job because I think that, like I said, it's rare to find studios that are got it so figured out that it never happens. Another thing that's important to note is know what it is. Like overtime, depending on the company, they have different policies. I know a lot of game companies, they don't necessarily pay out overtime. What they do instead is they do overtime in lieu. So what that means is you'll put the time in that's extra. So like, let's say over a course of a couple of weeks, you're shipping something and there's like four weeks there where you put an extra 20 hours in, in, in a week, which is a lot. 60 hours a week is a lot. It's not very sustainable, but it happens. Um, I'm just using it as an example. What that would mean is you'd get, technically, you'd get two weeks off paid vacation on top of the normal vacation that you would normally get. So that's a very popular thing. Most of the game companies I work have worked for in the past, that is the policy that they use. So that's another thing you might want to ask is maybe, does that work for you? Because if you're a family person, that might be more valuable than the than the money up front. You know what I mean? Like, because, because at the end of the day, it's not really about the money. It's about not having time with your family. And during a summer vacation, it gets ruined. So like, okay, fine. Maybe we ship this thing in August and we take an extended vacation in September or something like that. You know, like there's there's maybe more depending on your lifestyle and your, your situation, one might be better than the other. And you might, it'd be worth asking what the policy is. Yeah. Brent, we're already, Holy it's crap. already been one hour. That's, that's ridiculous. I know it, it, it felt like we just started getting into it. You want to do one more and then we can, um, we sure, can, I mean, one more. I'm what I, the tricky part is, is, and I don't know, cause so I, I need to look into a way of being able to, to get access to the questions. Um, and um, because I don't show them during the stream in the video, it's a little trickier to do. Like I can, sh- the long story short is there's no guarantee that I'm going to get the questions that came up in the stream. So what I would suggest you do, if you did ask a question that you really wanted to get answered and you wanted to be in our backlog of questions, I would suggest heavily that you actually post it on Facebook or you send it, send it to us some way. Like, where, do you know where Scott's getting most of those questions from? Is it Facebook? I think it's from the uh, uh, Instagram mostly. In the, okay, uh, so comments. pick your favorite platform and be like, "Hey, Brent told me to post my questions here, yeah. and people will be actually, seeing that. We'll get, we'll yeah. make sure that they migrate over to this." Actually, list. yesterday there was a, a post about this Q and A session mm. on Instagram. So just go so, there, just in the comment yeah. session, place your question there, and those yeah. will automatically be added in mm. our. Yeah. A spreadsheet for upcoming Q&A sessions. I think in the I think we'll probably fine tune this process. So there's always an, an easy inbox or some place to just put your question, no matter when and where that occurs to you in your brain, so that it finds its way to this list. Is I think what we'll naturally have to sort out, but we'll have news on that later. We're just this is a new format. We're just trying it. So, okay, good. So let's see here. Fun. Yeah, I like it. It's it's a good one. It's clearly it's people aren't short questions, which is a good sign that we're barking up the right tree. So I got a question. So um, it looks like Girly Bits did get one of the questions. Oh, she looks, I got a bunch of them there, but I'll ask the first one because we only have time for the one. So that will be, let's see here. It says, what are the goals with educational content versus learning paths? Ah, our first Agora question. Yes. Um, How can those goals be communicated when someone goes to the library? Good question. Um, Do you want me to tackle this one? I'm going to let you tackle. This okay, one. okay. Uh, so I know, I know the learning path is your is your baby. So yeah, uh, go for it. 
So here's the thing. Learning Path is got big aspirations. Okay. So what what it what essentially it is in a nutshell is learning paths are going to be curated um um ep episodic content that will be eventually in like very well organized playlists. I don't know if everyone actually has ever been on Udemy before. We're using Udemy as a bit of a, a kind of a concept to kind of wrap our head around. Um there it's we're gonna take our, our own take on this, but we 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 see that kind of way of dealing with this kind of content kind of uh, pop up from in, in other places in different forms as well. So we figure it's a, probably a good way to start. So what you're gonna eventually see is that a learning path will have its own like essentially playlist. It will be very obvious in the content library. It has already has its own category. So if you go to like the library, you can choose learning content. Right now there's just two different types. There's two different tracks in there. And um, we're only dropping a, a couple of them usually every week, just so that we can kind of, you know, keep the ball rolling and not necessarily, I, we may decide when we have enough of this stuff that we might do like what Netflix does and just drop it all for binge watching. In hindsight, that's probably going to be more interesting for people. But um, but because we didn't have all the stuff online, we didn't want to do that right away, which is why it might feel like kind of a half-baked implementation, because it is. We wanted to get it out there so people could start seeing the content, get an idea as to what it's going to be. It's just not in its full form yet. And in, so, so the full thing would be playlist that you can see chronologically tracking your progress even a gamification that's going to be get, get um, added to this like a badge for completion something that will eventually then show up in your profile that hasn't also it's a feature that hasn't come out yet where we want everyone to have their own individual profiles um, on the agora platform so like this it's it's so woven into some of the bigger our overarching plans we have for the community but we didn't want to hold off and, and just like we had a bunch of people already creating content and david and i agreed well even though it's not all there yet as far as the infrastructure let's just put it out there because people can watch these things and get an idea as to what's coming down the pipe so i don't know if i yeah. answered that fully but i would say the the way i uh, i see it is the mm. everything that is in in the learning path because in our mind we kind of have a tree uh, a tree of knowledge that mm. okay on the big branch you would have animation mm. and then a smaller branch that is creature animation and a smaller branch that is going to be quadruped and an even smaller branch that's going to be within quadruped you know like feline or, or something like yeah. that so you can see that and then those paths go all over the place so you can just learn mm -hmm. like okay the the big branch of, okay just the basic of creature the basic of mocap the basic of, of biped and all that or you can dive super deep into one a specific branch and we're going to have more of those over time so anything that is part of this big long-term master plan of let's slowly build all of those little uh, branch and provide this content for free on the platform this is all uh, the learning path everything else yeah. uh, it could be a tutorial it could be a tips and tricks it could be uh, a, a workshop recording from another uh, um, uh, on, uh, online um, school. It can be anything that kind of falls into the umbrella of education, whether it's uh, uh, mostly coming from the outside of Agra community that is not directly part of this special project would be flagged as educational content. Yeah. So both are kind of uh, uh, similar in a way, but learning paths, there's a special master plan be yeah. between how all of those paths are together going to create this three of this, this tree of, of knowledge. Yeah. Everything else 
educational content. There is amazing stuff in there. It's just that it's not specifically part of this yeah. big picture. And a lot of the other, a lot of the educational content, if not most of it, is all from people that we've affiliated with. So it's stuff that's already out there that like we just brought in here, so we can give people a, you know some visibility on that type of content. Where the educator, the learning paths are stuff that we're kind of typically developing from the ground up and partnering up with people, and they're building building out the content from scratch. It's very bespoke, and it's going to be premiering on. Um, I mean, the, the content creator owns the content. It's just that they've agreed to put it on our platform first. Um, and so that's where it will be. And in, in the cool thing is, like I said, it's going to be wrapped up with a bunch of other really cool layers, like the, like the, 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 the gamification, as well as the tracking, as well as even like, um, um, you know, being able to offer specifically be able to like post, uh, supporting, uh, data that you can download. So like, say it's like, a, it's for like, say there's a project and it's unreal. It's a learning path about unreal. And there's, there's an unreal project that they want you to download that you can sort of use in the learning path. That's the kind of thing that will support will support in these in these very specific types. So yeah, they're, they're similar. It's just that, you know, one's very Agora driven and the other one is more like Agora hosted, I think is probably a good way of of, of sort of differentiating. Now, another, another important note is what we, another plan we had was for these learning paths is to actually connect reference, like, like when, when you're going through a learning path at the end or even during, to be able to like point at things that are actually on the platform that are like educational content by somebody else. So let's say that we're, it's a whole thing on like Marco, he's Marco Folia, he's, he's building a, uh, we already built, we just haven't put it all on the platform yet, a series on introducing animation of a quadruped. We can also eventually be able to say, hey, other things we might suggest you watch are these. They're all quadruped related. And you might want to like, it could be great for further for further watching once you get through um, the actual learning path. But where do you go from here? Well, look, look at these videos for starters. So it's kind of a way of connecting everything as well. And it's a bit more of a, a guided, curated experience through, through learning a topic. Yep. Okay, I guess that's it. We've done it. That's one hour. It. Wow, okay. One hour. It goes so fast. It we, does we go didn't fast. Tackle. Half no, of what we, we, thought we that barely we... scratched the surface. Uh, I'm going to have to go in there and make sure I, I check mark the ones that we actually we actually did answer. So yeah. So if you didn't get your question answered, then yes, please do get it to us somehow because we do want to answer it. It just there's only so much time in an hour. So uh, feel free to for now find that Instagram post, maybe post your question there. I think someone, someone suggested that we maybe have a Google form or something like that, which would make sense because it would just go and dump right away onto a sheet. That probably will be something we'll, we'll consider doing. One way or another, it will be a little bit more straightforward. But for now, just post it on social media. We'll, we'll find it and get it on this list. Okay, so thanks for everyone who showed up today. It was uh, fun to try this new type of uh, format. Uh, we will do this uh, more regularly. I think David and I want to try to get to the point where we're even doing it maybe once a week. Um, mm -hmm. um, so, but, I, but yeah, why not? I mean, clearly there's enough questions for it. And like I said, when we to, to spice things up a little bit, we'll be bringing in maybe a special guest from time to time. Um, maybe it's not even just, maybe it's not always David and I, maybe there's going to be David and somebody else or me and somebody else, or maybe just some random person all by themselves. The point is we will have people in here to sort of try to specialize in different areas so that that gives you maybe, um, uh, a bit more of a deep dive on a topic that you might want to, you know, get some answers on. So again, thanks again for everybody showing up. Uh, thank you, David. I'll see you yeah, out. Thanks, friend. Take see care. I'll see you on the next one. Cheers. And thank you for everybody else who did show up today. Uh, it means a lot to us. Keep animated. See you around the community. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. 
Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.